Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Hello once again, this is Martin Popoff. Welcome back to another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcasts. We are pleased, as always, to be part of this vast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right, this is episode 235. I'm calling this First Gear Singers. Grappled with this one a little bit. Um, it may spawn another episode uh, where we look at either fifth gear singers or first and fifth gear singers. Uh, so the issue here is that, um, you know, I, I kind of got lists of a little bit of both and there's obviously a little bit of carryover. My whole idea with this episode is I wanted to look at those singers that are essentially crooners, low energy singers. They may go high, but they're high is not particularly powerful. It may be a continuum of what they do low. There's less, with these singers, there's there's going to be less evidence of really pushing air, uh, which equals power. So pushing air equals power. So less power, less pushing air, possibly a thinning, possibly a struggling, possibly less pharyngeal voice, uh, slash vocal fry. That's that whole idea. So essentially... And and again, I I think there may be another episode here where we look at uh, singers who have a really good first gear and a really good fifth gear. This is more like singers who, uh, you know, I would say all of these singers have a, a really good first gear. But yes, it's the fifth gear that they don't go into so often. Now, why am I talking first and fifth gear? Because no one cares about second, third, and fourth gear. Um, it's a continuum. It's well, that that's the other problem. It's a continuum. It's it's hard to even you know, uh, you know, distinguish when when you're looking at the grayscale of second, third, and uh, fourth gear. Uh, and when we get to one of our categories here of the five. Uh, we're going to discuss that a little little further, how fifth gear means different things for different people. So, uh, all right. Uh, by the way, I wanted to mention, uh, so, you know, I one of the things I do is I go on Facebook and I, and I share, you know, only to relevant places like groups with the bands who are in the songs, blah, blah, blah. So I share on Facebook. I got put in Facebook jail the other day, and it's happened before. Uh, but this is one where you couldn't go in and find to put in a code and say I'm a real person and then they take you off. I have to wait the whole six days. The reason I'm telling you all this, well, I would love it if somebody had some advice. It's like, why is this version of Facebook jail different than the one I've been in before? But the main thing I want to say is um, please do me a favor and uh, and possibly share some of these episodes with friends you have that may um, 
you know, may be interested in, in some of these episodes or whatever, or even share it around to some groups yourself. But uh, yeah, just to see if, uh, if uh, you know, I could bump my numbers uh, a different way, because this last episode I just did, um, I, I really couldn't share anywhere. And I don't know how much difference it makes. Sometimes I think it doesn't make much difference at all. All this, you know, these hours I spend sharing our Contrarians episodes and this and other things. Um, but anyways, yeah, um, spread the word around a little bit with this one. Let's just, I, I'd like to see an all report back and see if the numbers uh, bump, bump up in uh, in any meaningful way um, with some extra sharing. So um, I also want to thank Mick Phelan for some of the, I you know, I've been, uh, I brought up this idea and he struggled with some, some uh, examples and stuff. And I think, I think maybe some of the things Mick came up with are going to fit better if I do a first and fifth gear uh, episode. So yes, episode 235, First Gear Singers. Let's listen to our first selection here and we shall discuss. This is Blue Oyster Cult with Mirrors. A mirror is a negative space with a frame And a place for your face it reveals What the rest of us see it conceals What you like it to be Pretty girls and look away Pretty girls and look away Alright, so um, I've always had this feeling about Blue Oyster Cult. Um, you know, doing these panel books, it's been really cool. So we've got the recent book, Dominance and Submission, the Blue Oyster Cult canon, uh, where, you know, it was, I, I assembled a big panel of buddies who really know their Blue Oyster Cult, and we went through things. So, so a lot of these concepts come up. Um, a lot of great new concepts or ways of thinking about bands I haven't thought about uh, come up when I'm doing these these books. And um, and one thing I, I believe was discussed a few times. I mean, times I've I've always had this idea, anyways. But Blue Oyster Cult's a funny band in that number one, this did come up the the fact that they're always considered uh, kind of a hard rock, heavy metal band, and that be that could be the song titles, the album titles, the album covers, the occasional heavy song, etc., etc. But one of the funny things about Blue Oyster Cult is their two main singers and more, which we'll get to in a second. But their two main singers. So this is uh, Donald Buck Dharma Roser on Mirrors, the great Mirrors album. You know, I've called this my favorite Blue Oyster Cult album of all time. I've probably changed my mind recently. It's probably more um, Fire of Unknown Origin. But this is a good example of um, of Buck Dharma being this this uh, crooner. So he's a he's more of a traditional singer, someone who doesn't have to uh, bust up and make his vocal cords bleed to do what he does. Um, and he essentially always, always is uh, is one of these first gear singers. So he's a crooner, right? It's a, it's the old Frank Sinatra, um, you know, Michael Buble crooning idea, right? So, and I wanted to pick a song f- to play a clip from that is essentially a hard rock song um, to show uh, what that's like on there. Now, I've often thought, you know, people say things like, oh, we do we do this this way and it makes the heavier sound even heavier, you know, you know, that trope. And and I usually don't believe that trope. Um, and I, I, I don't have the answer. I, I almost don't believe that trope when it comes to this idea of um, does does the uh, does the low energy uh, first gear singing on a heavy Blue Oyster Cult song make the song sound heavier? I don't know. Um there's a, there's a funny th- there's a funny attitude about um, we're playing this heavy music but I'm staying cool so I'm not going to get hysterical sort of thing so it's almost like it's like oh look how heavy we are and I'm not even excited about it so there's something cool about that kind of idea with this um, when you hear 
just kind of regular singing on top of heavy music, right? Um, now, Eric Bloom's kind of the same thing. Eric Bloom is uh, generally a um, first gear, a little bit into second gear kind of singer, and he he does he does try to use his fifth gear, uh, and obviously he's getting older, and you know it's going to degrade over time, but. Um, when he uses his fifth gear, it it's not as impressive as his richer first to second gear sort of voice. So even even he is is that kind of a singer as well. I think I think um, Buck is more so. Um, and then moving into you know this is one of those bands with four singers. So we've got Joe Bouchard. Uh, he he actually does like to use his fifth gear a fair bit. Um, but Joe and Albert both have kind of like weaker voices, and you don't know what would be the right gear, and they probably never really use their right gear um, too often, kind of thing. But Joe is kind of you know you think of something like Fallen Angel, and there's there's where you get the Roger Daltrey out of him, which is the higher gear. But so so generally speaking, those two guys are also um, first gear singers. So. The funny thing is all the singers in Blue Oyster Cult are not your typical heavy metal, pushing a lot of air, power, shrieking singers. Um, other ones like this, um, again, this is directly related to uh, doing this panel book, but Phil Phil Linet from Thin Lizzy, man, he is absolutely one of these low energy crooner singers. Um, you just, you just, it's, it's, it's the laid back cool of Phil that we all love, but it's, it's really funny uh, when you go through the catalog and, and start noticing that they've got all these, you know, pretty 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 rock and hard rock songs but Phil never has to do a heck of a lot of work and when when we know he does do a lot of work later in life um we know it kind of fails and that's where we start saying you know where you start seeing the vocal fry because you're not used to seeing vocal fry out of Phil so when you start singing it you go oh there's the hard living uh you know coming out of him and the other one that's like this is kind of interesting is Phil Mogg from UFO same kind of thing uh where you where you definitely get a guy who um people basically say he doesn't have that great of a voice and I would kind of agree with that the voice isn't great the singing is is fairly top-notch like he's got he's got a a good grasp of the art of singing um, but again this is a guy with a limited limited range and uh, and he's not he's not the big go up and sing vocal fry thing so when when you get up there you're you're not happy about it you're not happy about listening to Phil when he's when he's pushing hard because he's because he's gonna struggle uh, up at that end so so it's funny he's he's not a guy with the lowest voice in the world um, but he basically uses that voice that he has in first gear, basically. And Ian Gillen is kind of a funny one. Um, so this is a guy that I probably should include in the other episode, so I won't talk about him too much, but he's become a lot more of a first gear singer guy uh, over the years, and that's where we feel comfortable and we like him the most. Paul Rogers, kind of the same thing. Peter Steele... Um, from typo negative, um, there are these guys with these really low voices who like to uh, exploit that low voice, and he's one of those guys. Don Dawkin is a really interesting one um, because people have said um, one of the distinct things about the band Dawkin is that uh, so it's a little bit like um, it's a little bit like Joey Belladonna in Anthrax. One of the distinct things about that situation was you had a standard heavy metal semi-operatic singer on top of thrash and a very kind of like streetwise New York kind of thrash. So that is a distinct thing about Anthrax. Same thing in the hair metal department. 
Uh, Don Dawkin uh, is considered one of these guys with like a sweet, I'm not going to push a lot of air, I'm not going to put a lot of effort into this uh, sort of voice uh, when he's singing. So, um, it's, and it's, it's a good voice. It's not the greatest singing ever, um, and it's not even the greatest voice ever, but it's competent in both of those areas. Competence doesn't shouldn't even apply to your voice, really. I mean, that's that's unfair to the person because that's just like like your height almost, right? Um, but uh, but the, but yeah, the funny thing about Don Dawkins is um, there are these fairly heavy songs going on around him with a big beat of Mick Brown and the wild guitar work and everything. And he's just, uh, you know, kind of crooning away, um, you know, fairly unremarkable uh, in, in many ways. Uh, Mick Phelan also says uh, Chino Marino, um, Josh Holm, and uh, Mark Lanigan as well. Um, kind of interesting. Yeah, jo- Josh is a, is a funny one in this department as well. So, uh, all right, let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. All right, back again here. Episode 235. First Gear Singers. Um, this one might surprise you a little bit. Take a listen. Robert Plant with Carrie Fire. Just like they do for me, well, so I do for you.
Okay, so I wanted to put him here. This is a guy who absolutely has got to be in the other episode as well. Uh, but the category is a little bit... Um, well, it's him and Getty Lee, more more or less. Um, you, we could probably find other examples as as well. But um, Robert Plant, uh, much more than Getty Lee, I think has is this guy. And again, uh, I've got a panel book coming out, Robert Plant, album by album. What did I call it? Pictures at 11, Robert Plant, album by album. Um, and um, going through all of his later stuff, the, the really interesting thing here is, so in the old days... Uh, and I won't go into this too much because, again, maybe we'll save it for the other episode. But in the old days, um, you loved you loved his first gear and you loved his fifth gear. I'll just leave it at that. So what's happened now and what's happened over time? So into the middle era uh, of Robert Plant's career, it's almost like Geddy Lee's last era or middle and last combined um, where he he sang a lot more and he had kind of a weaker fifth gear. Um, but he still used it sort of thing or, or went there and tried to use it, flirted with the fifth gear kind of thing. But in later years, uh, on, uh, across all these albums like 2017's Carry Fire, but all of this, this Alison Krauss kind of thing and, and Lullaby and the Ceaseless Roar, all, all of these records he's, um, and, and this is almost irrelevant, but what he has done is he's turned the, turned the entire volume down on the band um, so they're so they're these rootsy, crusty, antiquey, obscure sort of sounds. Um, so you know the idea almost amusingly, it's almost like the band in Creedence Clearwater Revival, where he's making like old timey music that could have been made, you know, bluegrass and and Americana and stuff. But it but he he purposely even records with with kind of like distorted, scratchy forty five or seventy eight uh, sounds, so it sounds even older. But the point is, is uh, whether he turns down the music or not, um, he he's a singer who really, I think, has discovered, well, first of all, with age, he's, he's probably discovered that his fifth gear is shot and fourth gear probably isn't even convincing. But one of the interesting things about Robert Plant is that he's got this beautiful, beautiful voice uh, in first gear and he's, you know, a really good singer. Uh, he's he's obviously uh, he's done it for a long time. So he, so he's one of those trained singers out there. But basically, he's probably even a better singer than he ever used to be. Um, and he's and he he's you know to his delight it seems like if I if I could get inside his head for a minute, to his delight he's discovered he's he you know no matter how old he gets he's got a beautiful beautiful voice, uh, but but he should keep it in first gear. Um, or, or almost more like, even if he wants to use second or third gear, it's almost like he's smart enough to realize that it's a real treasure what he's got in first gear. So, so he does a lot of singing in first gear. So he's really close to the mic often. He's really high in the mix. Uh, and, he's, and he's almost like whispering and mumbling half of these songs. So that's kind of a cool thing uh, you get with, uh, with Robert Plant. Geddy Lee, on the other hand, he went through his singing uh, period. The, these albums that he sort of justifies as being his his um, I Learned How to Sing Better albums like Presto and Roll the Bones. And then as time goes on, as he told me one time, probably in our first interview years ago, he says, I took my shriek and, you know, I, 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 it's on the shelf at Kresge's or whatever kind of thing, right? So the, the funny thing about, uh, it, well, the, the, the parallel between him and Robert Plant is they both had 
this uh, fifth gear that sounded almost like a different person, like a different different voice. Um, and and with Getty, um, when when he uses anything approaching fifth gear or fourth gear, it it doesn't even sound like the same person who was in fifth gear in the seventies, kind of thing. Um, so that's kind of interesting. But but he he doesn't really use it either. He's he's got a little bit of that same problem uh, with the degradation of age, where when he uses a higher gear, he kind of goes into this strange sort of uh, yodeling sound it's a little bit like um the 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 quirk of ian anderson in jethro tull but we'll get to that in a sec that's a little different but so he's he's got this gear he uses but a it's weaker you can tell he's not he's not putting the enthusiasm and power into it it's it's more brief it's usually down in the mix and it's got this kind of yodeling quality so it's so it, it um it's not that amazing amazing voice that he had and used in the 70s that you know, was always mentioned in all the reviews all the time uh, because it was just this crazy, crazy voice. Um, what else? Um, so David Lee, let's leave David Lee Roth. I think David Lee Roth is going to be a great example of of first and fifth gear. Um, Mick Phelan, uh, I'm just going to read this word for word because I thought this was interesting. He said that Dave Grohl is a fifth gear failure. The charm at the start was was the fragile voice, his backing vocals on Dumb on Unplugged, his first lead vocal credit, Marigold. It was a contrast to Kurt. At time progressed, as time progressed, we saw less of this. Uh, less of that and more screaming. It made the Foos Arena Stadium's megastars, but not the best use of his voice. He even tries Ramble On Live. When mere mortals like Dave try this, they show their limitations as singer, singers. Grohl, uh, a god on the kit, a limited vocalist. I prefer him in relaxed lanes. See the beautiful Chasing Birds from uh, Medicine's, uh, Medicine at Midnight. Interesting. Um, all right, let's move on to our third selection here. This is Yes with Arriving UFO. Arriving through the eons of time's immortal power of the future to behold Vessels of a different impression, none that we could ever hope to have known So look out in the night once Ah yes, the much denigrated Tormato album, right? 1978 Um why I wanted to pick this clip was it shows John Anderson's wide range. Now, the idea here, the category here is kind of prog. I want to talk about some of these prog guys. So John Anderson is a guy who, um, it, it's a continuum with him. He's a, he's a singer with this strange high voice, but there's, there's no variation in what he does. It's essentially um, this, this very nice, sweet, twee, uh, elf, pixie, brownie um little singing voice whether he's in first gear or whether he's in fifth gear it just goes higher right um and i wanted to show that range in here so that's an interesting thing about him um you know when i when i when we go over to genesis um again i won't go into it too much because maybe i'll save this for the other episode but i think peter gabriel and phil collins have both gears i think they they have both the first gear and a fifth gear and ian anderson um Again, as I alluded to, I think he's a guy that absolutely has no fifth gear, never did have a fifth gear. He's he's like the uh, distinguished, wise, uh, you know, uh, 
uh, fox hunting uh, Englishman kind of guy. You know, you think of how he looks and how he dresses and how he carries himself and what he's like in interviews. He's a very smart guy, but he strikes me as an aristocratic singer. Um, so he's got this beautiful, beautiful, rich voice, and he knows that it works best in first gear. Um, but he did have this uh, this gear that, like, he, he felt confident going into the high range in the old days. But now it just sounds kind of like, uh, ah, don't do that, Ian, sort of thing. And he, and he pulls away from the mic, and he, and he does that trailing off into the ether thing. And um, you just don't want him to do that. Now, he, now he does that. He does that uh, more or less out of necessity because they, they attract a big crowd live. And so as a touring act, you know, he's out there and he has to do the old songs and they have that high range. So he's struggling with the high end, but I don't think he ever particularly had an amazing fifth gear. Um, John Wetton is an interesting case. Um, I've talked about him before. Um, so sticking in this prog category, I feel like this guy um, has... It, it's almost like he's always pushing air. Um, I don't think he has a particularly good fifth gear, so let's just call him a first gear. I, I definitely would call him actually a, a first gear only singer, although he's he's always been considered the consummate singer, but I think that's because people are in love with his voice, and I think they like his voice more so when it is in first or second gear sort of thing. So yeah, when he when he gets up high, it sounds like you're worried that he's going to hit the note, right? That's kind of the problem with him. Um, getting a little bit off prog, but you know, well, actually, I'll mention this as well. Ozzy is a funny case. Ozzy is a little bit like a John Anderson um, in that he's got this interesting, naturally higher voice. Um, and, and he does use vocal fry a little bit, um, but it, it almost seems like it's not by choice. But he seems more like a, like a continuum, and obviously he doesn't have a great range. And, um, you know, and, and he's probably not even the greatest singer, right, in terms of accuracy. Um, but, you know, he, he kind of was in the past. I mean, you watch a lot of that live stuff, and he, he was pretty good. But, no, he's, he's, he's more of a first-gear singer as well. Uh, but sticking in the idea of not heavy rock, Morrissey is a perfect example of this. Morrissey is your standard standard crooner. He just has an interesting voice, and he uses it more or less in first gear, a little bit of second gear, but he's, he's not a power singer. Lou Reed's kind of the same thing. Lou Reed is almost even more down into the mumbling range. Nick Drake is down into the, um, is more into, down into the, well, he's a crooner, but he's also a whisperer. Uh, Richard Thompson, Mick Phelan uh, mentioned Richard Thompson and Nick, Nick Drake, right? Uh, Pink Floyd staying in Prague. Um, I think David Gilmore is a perfect, perfect example of someone who doesn't even try uh, any gear above first gear. Uh, he's got a beautiful voice, um, and everything he does is more or less in first gear. Um, Roger Waters, on the other hand, uh, is a funny case because, again, um, my favorite Roger Waters voice is the first gear voice. So so uh, he, he, he tries, he has an attempt at a fifth gear. It's kind of this this when he gets hysterical or sounds like he's trying to trying to sound a little crazy, right? Um, so he's got this this funny character that he goes into at that fifth gear, but you can't qualify that as a fifth gear voice. It's not a powerhouse voice. It's not particularly good sounding. It's a little bit like, uh, you know... Um, uh, fingernails on a chalkboard kind of thing. Uh, but yes, uh, David Gilmore and Roger Waters, uh, perfect examples of first gear singers and also Sid Barrett, same kind of thing. Um, 
And uh, oh yeah, Mick. Mick uh, here, I'm going to read something else. He says, "Talking floating, Sid Barrett does it. Uh, does Sid Barrett does it to great effect on anything off Piper? But I love Paintbox, which you'll find on the Relics album. It's the gentle, beautiful voice, very English that was carried on a bit. If you think of Fearless and San Tropez on metal, uh, isn't that a more attractive Floyd than the pushy Young Lust on the wall? Um, are they worse when air is pushed? So um, I'm sure he's he's picking up some of this." this um sort of a vocabulary for me because i always talk about this pushing air thing this power thing um but yes exactly pink floyd uh fits in there perfectly all right so let's move on to our fourth selection here this is kate bush with sat in your lap All right, so this category is women singers. Uh, women singers. Uh, my idea here, uh, I've always had this idea that uh, women singers have uh, a better job at staying um, staying in good shape as they get into older age because they are basically all John Andersons, right? Um, I they're they're not they're not singers that are ratching out, ruining their voice. They're just natural singers. They don't have to, you know, the thing about having a high voice isn't one of their problems. Uh, it's not a challenge for them. They have a high voice naturally. So essentially, uh, many more of them are are straight, proper, technical, doing it right, um, not worried, not having the challenge of singing high singers. So uh, Kate Bush is a great example. I wanted to put Sat in Your Lap because uh, it shows a little bit of when she tries vocal fry, but it's more like just a little bit of an effect. Um, it's not anything, uh, and, you know, and you get power out of Kate Bush as well, but it's but it's that it's that woman singer power where where it's like, okay, I'm gradually going up. It's gray area. I'm getting getting higher and higher, and necessarily I do have to push a little more air. One one um, a female vocalist that that I feel does have. Uh, something that feels a little bit more like a fifth gear is Ann Wilson, but it's still it's still the continuum. But it sounds like there's more there's more use of power or power is needed, and uh, and it can get a little uh, a little a little nastier with the voice sort of thing. But yeah, Kate Bush is the ultimate delicate, whispery, mumbly, um, and and just you know correct low singer she's always up in the mix they're they're her albums but it's it's kind of like she's got this this bag of tricks and uh, some of those tricks go into a, a certain kind of amusing fifth gear sort of thing right um chrissy hind sandy denny um you know nightwish donna god show from great grateful dead all you know you think of um judy dibble from trader horn we've got i did that episode of those these great old rare obscure albums um there's a lot of sleepy quiet um you know laid back vocals in the female vocal thing and like i say it's more of a continuum uh when they do go high sort of thing so um i guess my my um, conclusion there is that I would th I would think um, I would think you don't think of fifth gear when you think of female vocals that much uh, because it is a continuum and most of them are just naturally singers because the female voice is just a good singing voice and it's higher and all that stuff that thing that you you like as a challenge at a vocal so I think most of the time um, 
it doesn't cross their mind um, in a big way to uh, to be out of anything other than first or second gear. All right, let's move on to our last selection here. Take a listen to this. This is ZZ Top with Rhythmine. Okay, so I wanted to pick ZZ Top because Billy Gibbons is an interesting example of he uses a fifth gear, but you're not you're not happy about it. What what you like the most out of Billy Gibbons? Um, well, he actually does uh, some really cool things in fifth gear as well. But for the fifth gear singer in the band, you want Dusty Hill, right? Um, sadly, we lost him recently, but Dusty Hill is the guy you go to for uh, that fifth gear where you're really convinced about the fifth gear. Billy, on the other hand. Um, is I wanted to pick him because he's getting even low down and more of a bluesy guy, and there's some hilarious things across, um, particularly Mescalero. Um, and uh, yeah, Mescalero definitely has, uh, in fact, the song Mescalero is like this, but he's he's taken that first gear to an extreme where he's uh, he's it's he's almost a guy who has three or four different first gears. Uh, and because he's just this great bluesman, he's uh, he's really uh, exploiting that sort of thing. And you get um, the parallel in uh, Bachman Turner Overdrive where you've got Fred Turner um, doing the uh, the Dusty Hill, the, the pushing air, the hollering, right? The hollering. The uh, the pharyngeal, the uh, vocal fry, and Randy Bachman is your is your weak voice, your kind of Albert Bouchard voice, where um, you know he's not particularly great in any gear, um, but he's he's more of a first gear singer, and if he does go high, it's uh, it's less convincing sort of thing. So that that's kind of interesting. I wanted to mention Kiss as well um, because Kiss is an interesting one where. Um, your favorite singing out of three of the guys in Kiss, which would be Ace, Peter, and Paul, are more of your fifth gear singing. And Gene is kind of the standout guy where um, you really get into his singing in first gear. He's he's a really good sonorous uh, first gear singer. So that's kind of cool. And he also has a pretty interesting fifth gear, but he stays away from it a little little more often. So he's he's almost like a little bit of a guy who... who um, it seems like he realizes he's got this great first gear, and so he uses it the most, and, and he's really good at it. Rolling Stones is a funny one because I think Mick Jagger has both gears, and he's not particularly great at the, at the high gear. He, he becomes more of a shouter. Um, but they've got this other singer in the band, Keith Richards, who um, who is definitely just a first-gear singer. So he's a perfect example of this uh, here as well. Um there you go. So that is our, uh, you know, I, I hopefully stayed mostly on topic and talk, talked about singers who are mostly first gear singers. Um, if you like the show and want to support future episodes, please go to ko-fi.com slash martinpopoff. Hit that red support button. Buy me a coffee or a pint. This this week, I would like to thank Joe Becht, uh, Andy at Black Sugar Transmission, Lee Fordham, Augustin Garcia de Pretties. I have a feeling I left them out last time. He's always a regular. Um, yeah, great, great loyal supporter. And obviously, um, you know this as well. 
but he is the moderator of the page. Uh, and he even uh, manages our tribe page, right? The, the Facebook page that was based on that old metal collector book. Um, but yeah, he's uh, he keeps track of everything on the History of in, in Five Songs Facebook page. Um, so yes, thank you, Augustine. Uh, Steve Polari, David Rhea, very generous. Uh, David came by. He's, uh, he's uh, I, I get this sometimes where, where he's like, oh, I don't do the usual thing. So here's a kind of a lump sum for, uh, yeah, so that was, that was really nice. But he came by uh, just yesterday, actually, and picked up some books and stuff as well. Um, but uh, yeah, actually, uh, here's an interesting point too. Him and Augustine uh, are uh, they they own some of the originals of uh, of these um, of these drawings that I've been doing for Flaming Telepaths, uh, Maginos expanded and specified, and right now at layout uh, just uh, basically approved. Um, there's going to be coming Perfect Water. The Rebel Imaginos, which uh, I think it's the coolest thing I've ever done. So that's coming soon. Um, and yeah, for all your book needs, you can go to martinpopoff.com. Um, and uh, yeah, as usual, uh, the latest ones out are the Blue Oyster Cult panel book. Like I was saying in this episode, you're going to be getting a Thin Lizzy panel book and a Robert Plant panel book uh, pretty much in March. Um, but uh, yeah, Van Halen uh, at 50 coming uh, in March uh, and out right now. I still have The Who, uh, the 50th anniversary of Quadrophenia, the Pink Floyd anniversary book, and The Kiss at 50. Uh, there you go. Um, let me know what you think. This one could be interesting. I get the feeling I've missed a few, or I get the feeling I'm going to get some complaints of saying, you're, you're an idiot. Uh, you know, this guy has a great fifth gear, right? Kind of thing. So, um, but yeah, I... Um, I, I, I kind of leaned and and I hope I, I got these right but let's uh, let's see what you guys say on the Facebook uh, whether um, there are some glaring I'm sure there's tons and tons and tons because singing is singing right so you're, there's gonna be many 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 examples of uh, of people who stick in a first gear and have a great first gear but I wonder if um, I you know I kind of went through most of these singers and played a bunch of extra songs and 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 um, I I almost feel like there's one or two where I'm missing the fact that um, they have they have a quite well used fifth gear or a great fifth gear but uh, but yeah I, I think I got it roughly uh, roughly correct but uh, yeah go play some Thin Lizzy Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at R&R Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 